Looking for wisdom for life's big decisions? Pastor Ed Taylor on where to turn. You might have memorized the scripture, and that's cool too, but the wisdom of God flows from his word. And you can understand now a little bit more the value of why you should have a Bible with you everywhere all the time. Even if it's on your iPhone, that's where you're going to get wisdom from God. That's where you're going to gain understanding. The Spirit of God using the Word of God through the people of God. That's how He operates. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You did we get here? What's the purpose of life? And is there life after death? When you're looking for answers to the questions of life, where do you turn? Well, you really have only two options. Today on Abounding Grace, we encourage you towards the wisdom of God. But very sadly, few people access this wisdom as they should. Instead, they run to the world, and that only disappoints. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor takes us to 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 6. With Bible in hand and an open heart, let's get into the message now. Verse 6 now, notice. However, we speak wisdom. So now he's demonstrating, you know, kind of sharing where it is. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. So Paul didn't put much credibility in the wisdom of this world. How much credibility do you put in the wisdom of this world? Because Paul didn't. And you know what? History backs the brother up. Because the wisdom of this world has come to nothing. The wisdom of evolution, nothing. The wisdom of financial markets and how money, nothing. The wisdom of this world as it relates to all sorts of things. The wisdom of this world, how to fix a person, come to nothing. The wisdom of this world, how to help a person, comes to nothing. I mean, for simple proof of this, I think we all can relate to this, because simple proof, something that you might have believed in very strongly 10 years ago, some worldly thing you might have picked up, and I don't even mean sinful, I just mean something the world, you know, some TV show you watch, you bought into it, and, and it kind of became a part of you now, and, and it became a topic that you talked about, and then 10 years later, it's untrue, and it's proven to untrue, and what do you have to do with it? Dismiss it. It's not true. That's what the evolutionist does. Every time they're disproved, they just add another gajillion years. And of course, something could happen in a gajillion years. So, you know, every time it's disproved and some bone is found out to be a mouse or something and not some dinosaur or some weird missing link kind of thing that's got to fit their projection, got to fit what they have drawn. What gotta, every time it's disproved, they just add another, you know, whatever, gajillion years. And oh, I know, I know, that, we, we missed up on that one. But if in another gajillion years, we'll figure it out. No, the wisdom of this world has come to nothing. With a simple truth, in the beginning, God created. 
That stood the test of time. Hasn't been disproved. Truly, every time something is dug up or found, it only substantiates Genesis 1-1. You know the significance of Genesis 1-1? Is that if you have a hard time believing Genesis 1-1, and you've allowed the worldly wisdom of, of the world in which most of us were educated in and most of us uh, uh, receive, I mean, you, can, you can't even watch a cartoon these days. You know, a cartoon movie that doesn't include evolution in it, it's just like, oh yeah, just uh, you know, this was here gajillions of years ago, or, or to a museum, or whatever. Whatever it is, it's so, that worldly wisdom is so inundated our world that it might even become your worldview. But I'll tell you, if you have a hard time with Genesis 1-1, you're going to have a hard time with the rest of the Bible. But you know, if you can accept the truth that God created, then the rest of the Bible is going to be just fine for you. The power of the Word. The reality of a creator who loves you. You know, because that means if you believe, and I believe in Genesis 1-1, that God created, and then you follow through the pattern of who he created then you can accept the reality that you and I have been created by a loving God in his image. And we've become now accountable to that God. And that in our life, our creator cares so much for us that in our helpless condition, in our separated situation, God, he acted not out of pity and feeling sorry, but out of love. He acted to rescue us from the penalty and the pain of sin, and even really to rescue us from ourselves. Where the Bible tells us how we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and we are blind, and, and we are lost, and in a blind, lost, spiritually dead condition, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to bring life and to bring freedom. That's Genesis 1-1. I can go on all night of the truths that our creator has revealed himself to us. And the worldly wisdom, even among the Greeks who valued wisdom, who worshipped wisdom, Paul said, don't you guys remember? We speak wisdom not of this world, not of how the world operates. But instead, he says in verse 7, we speak the wisdom of God. He mentions that mystery. You know, don't get in your mind a mystery like a whodunit. That's not how this word is used in the Bible. It reveals something that was previously hidden that's now revealed. It's almost the opposite of the way we see it in the world today, where in the Old Testament, all the shadows and the types, that scarlet thread that goes throughout the scriptures was pointing to the coming Messiah. And it was mysterious to the people that were writing it. I mean, can you imagine Isaiah just writing down Isaiah 53? Just what is this all about? And then when God fulfills that prophecy... In heaven, you know, you just Isaiah's like, whoa, man, that's cool. That's awesome. We look back now, and we see it fulfilled. And we speak that wisdom of God, he says, in a mystery, which was hidden, but it was ordained from the, before the ages for our glory, verse 7. And none of the rulers of this age knew it. Because you know what? He kind of uses, they're, they're like, this is still first century. The people, there are there still alive people that crucified Jesus Christ. There's still people there that were a part of it. And in the context, as Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, you know what? If they would have known what I know, they would have never crucified Jesus. <laughs> they would have never wanted to be a part of that. They would have never participated if they really knew the truth. Verse 9 is sweet. I've seen it throughout the years as a believer is so encouraging. You might just want to mark it. 
the promise of how God has something special in store for you. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How right now you, don't, you, you see in a glass dimly, you don't quite understand why this is going on or what's going on, and eye really hasn't seen, you can't figure it out, and, and in your heart you just don't understand how and why. This is a great verse to remind you of the promise of God, just like the prophets, just like those that came before that didn't get to see the coming of the Lord. But God dropped in their hearts the, the promise that wasn't fulfilled, you know, that didn't come to pass in their lifetime. And from time to time, God has popped this verse off the page for me just to say, you know what, Ed? There's some sweet things still prepared for you. There's some neat things going on in your life. And I know you haven't seen it, and I know you haven't heard it yet. I know you're anticipating it. Just trust me. It's really the New Testament equivalent of Jeremiah 29, right? I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're good, not evil. Thoughts of peace. To what? To give you a future. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. To give you a future and a hope. And we see that translated all throughout the New Testament. I mean, you could be in the deepest, darkest trial right now, and Jeremiah 29 just doesn't even seem real to you. It's real. You just don't even understand, can't even reconcile what you're going through right now and the fact that God doesn't think evil toward me. He doesn't. That he wants to give me thoughts of peace. Man, I haven't had a night of peace in six weeks, six months. And the issue is that the circumstance that you're in has clouded your vision of God and undermined your faith. That's really what it's become. It's drawn you away from the sufficiency of your relationship with the Lord. Haven't you noticed that to be true in your life? Has it ever happened to you? Where the situation is what it is. And you can assign a size to it. Let's just say it's something small. Let's just say you lost your keys. No big deal. But you're in a hurry. And you're late. You might have been on the way to church. You want to get your kids in Sunday school on time. And you're in the spirit, you're anticipating worshiping all day, you're at work, you're watching the clock tick down, you've got food all ready, you've got it all anticipated, and right when you're ready to leave the house, my keys, my keys, oh my gosh, I can't, oh my keys, where did my keys? And all of it, you're like a, like a flesh monster, man, right there. You weren't like that five minutes earlier, but this little thing, your keys, flipped you out into the flesh. It's just a little thing. I mean, wouldn't it be better to be so spiritual? Lord, where are my keys? I know you're the God that knows all things. Show me my keys. I love to worship you. I'll walk to church if I have to, Lord. It does. I love you. I don't care about my keys. I know how to hotwire. No, that was a previous life. Don't, no hot wiring. That was BC days. But isn't it interesting just something so dumb as keys? And if something so dumb as keys can cloud our view, wouldn't some difficulty in marriage do the same thing? Couldn't it do the same thing? Wouldn't a little financial stress do the same? Wouldn't uh, a broken dream do the same? Wouldn't a little fear do this? Of course. I mean, as big as the sun is, you could take your thumb and you could cover it completely from your view. Something as small as your thumb can cloud your view of something as big as the sun, and I find the same to be true in our own lives, and that comes down to just trusting and believing God, just like you did when you were a new believer. 
just like you did when you didn't see anything. You had no idea what the future would hold. You had no idea how your life would unfold. You had no idea what would happen the next week, and you really didn't care because you were in love with Jesus today. And that's all that really mattered. I was lost about five minutes ago, and now I'm saved, and that's cool. That was your life. And then five minutes later, the, the roof of the church didn't cave in on you, and you go, oh, that's cool too. Because I was always told if I walked into a church, it would cave in on me. No, 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 it's fine. It's just fine. It's very structurally sound, and, and it hasn't caved in on you, and lightning didn't hit you in the parking lot, and your salvation is real. And you lived in that joy, and I lived in that joy, and I loved the Lord, and I served him, and, and I took my cares to him. And when a simple verse popped up, I obeyed it. Not yes, not tomorrow, not five weeks. I didn't plan to obey it. I just obeyed it. Oh, you want me to? Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And every Bible study was sweet to you, and every time it was, well, it's just exactly what's going on with the Corinthians to come back to basics in the midst of chaos. Come back to basics, Paul says. Don't trust in the wisdom of this world. Don't run to the wisdom of this world. Choose your counselors carefully. Choose where you seek help carefully. But Paul, when he came, he says, we just speak the wisdom of God. And you know you never go wrong when you speak the wisdom of God? Never. Sometimes the wisdom of this world actually lines up with the wisdom of God. I've seen that to be true. I remember back in the corporate world, I was, I'd take training programs, and, and I remember one of them just sitting there like, we're going to teach you servanthood leadership. And they taught it like it was, they created it. Like, we're going to teach you something new that is the next phase of, of corporate world, and we're just going to teach you how to be the best corporate director and manager. That you could. We're going to teach you servanthood. And I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just, I didn't want to get fired, but I just, you know, didn't Jesus teach that? And yet, they didn't believe that Jesus taught it. They just, like they created it themselves. And so sometimes, worldly wisdom actually lines up with the scriptures, but you want to choose the scripture wisdom because it can be easily tweaked. You know, sometimes servant leadership was taught to me in the corporate world in a selfish way to use it to get more money for the bottom line of the company instead of valuing the people like Jesus did who laid his life down for the people no matter what the bottom line might be. And you just got to be careful. Worldly, you're in the world. I'm in the world. We're, we're, we're going through these classes. We have to. We want to be good employees. We, we want to be faithful. We want to be good neighbors. But so quickly, worldly wisdom can overtake you. And Paul said, I have none of it. And history backs him up. Let's read on. Verse 10. It says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And so, how does a blind man see spiritually? How does a person that's lost? God opens his eyes. The spirit of God opens eyes and gives wisdom. As the hymn writer helps us to understand as we sing that beautiful hymn, we were blind, but now we see. How is that possible? The spirit of God. Where once we lived in, in the dark, and, and these wonderful truths mean nothing to. And some of you may even have the testimony that, that when you were younger, you read the Bible, but you didn't understand any of it. It, just, it was a book to you, and you might have read it because you had to. But it was when God opened your eyes, you go, bam, that's awesome. I understand that. I grasp that. That is so cool. And that's what puts us all here today on equal footing. And that is God has opened all of our eyes, those of us that are believers. Our eyes are opened. We can now see spiritual things. 
As believers, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the deep things of God. The wonderful truths of God. And so, who really knows the things that are going on in your heart? You do. And so does God. And there's still things that God wants to reveal in your heart. That's why the psalmist says, as he cries out in Psalm 139, we haven't turned anywhere, have we? Turn over to Psalm 139. It's a few pages to the left. You can mark this and sort of cross-reference it. Psalm 139. You know, the things that are hidden or the things that we might forget or the things we might overlook or the things that we don't want to pay attention to, the Holy Spirit will reveal those to us. That's why the psalmist encourages us there in verse 23 of Psalm 139. It'd be a great prayer for you to pray honestly, sincerely, and being fully, completely open to the Spirit. You can pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You pray that prayer, God will answer it. I know you may not want to pray that prayer. You're like, no, I'm fine with not knowing any of those things right now. Ed? No, 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 you want to know. The Spirit of God wants to reveal it to you so you can grow in His grace. And he says back in 1 Corinthians, he says, God has revealed them to us. The Spirit searches all things, verse 10. The deep things of God. And no one, in verse 11, even so no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And then he says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, verse 12 that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Really, this section in summary is a comparison and contrast between the spirit of God and the spirit of this world. Worldly wisdom and wisdom from God, true wisdom. And he wants us to remember that we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, which makes us very different from this world, makes us very distinct. Paul's calling the church in Corinth to understand a basic theology course on wisdom. And he only gives you two options. Every decision you and I make fall into one of two categories. We either make it with the wisdom of God or we make it with the wisdom of this world. We either make it in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit or we make it in our flesh. And most of our decisions, after the fact, we can tell which way we made it. At least other people can, (laughs) if we're blinded to it. But, But you can tell. That's what I I pray for in discernment as I'm ministering to you and as I'm counseling you or as I'm answering a question. It's just asking for the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God on this? Not my opinion, not my experience, not what I've learned, not not what I've picked up along. What is the wisdom of God for you right now in what you've asked me? what What is the wisdom of God? And almost always the wisdom of God is going to flow as your Bible is open. You might have memorized the scripture, and that's cool too, but the wisdom of God flows from his word. And you can understand now a little bit more the value of why you should have a Bible with you everywhere all the time. Even if it's on your iPhone, or your smartphone, or your back pocket, 
or your glove compartment or your briefcase or your drawer in the office on the cubicle or propped up on your laptop, that's where you're going to get wisdom from God. That's where you're going to gain understanding. The Spirit of God using the Word of God through the people of God. That's how He operates. That's how we bless a lost world, helping them to understand the truths of God. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2 because John really draws out the difference from wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. And he uses a different perspective. It might help to shed light on this truth as you see it from a different perspective. Look at 1 John with me, chapter 2. He talks to us and teaches us about this world. And he says, very matter-of-factly in verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I always think that as Jesus was teaching us about his words, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And I think of the Library of Congress. You know how much knowledge and wisdom is in that place? And only one book's going to survive the end of the age. And all of the books, you know, now they're putting them on the Internet, and you can access all of the wisdom that's ever been collected of man is going to pass away. It's going to go. It's not going to last. I sometimes wonder if, if we really value the wisdom of God, if we really want it, that which is eternal. And John, when he looks at the wisdom of this world, he says, don't you love this world? That's a dangerous place to be. And I think if you combine it with what Paul's teaching, I, I think a love of this world is going to open a door for the wisdom of this world to overtake you and overtake me. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher, and today he spotlighted 1 Corinthians 2, where we're encouraged to access and live by God's wisdom. Simply go online to hear it again at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. If you haven't already downloaded the free Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps, Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. This is a great way to take in a steady dose of God's Word. Here in the month of April, we've picked out an excellent book written by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Remember the old hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee? Maybe that's a desire of yours, but you're just not sure how to get there with God. Tozer sheds light on the path to a closer walk with God in The Pursuit of God. It can become a reality in your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. We want to invite you and your family to join us this weekend at Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed has all the service times and information you need to know to be a part of the celebration. You know, Larry, it's always exciting to worship God together, especially around the time of Easter. Uh, what we call here our resurrection services, and everything starts Friday at noon for our Good Friday service. And 
Good Friday is more of a solemn service as we look at the details surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus. We all kind of leave with a heaviness um, on our hearts and minds as we consider. That evening, we have a ticketed event as well. It's our Passover Seder dinner. Um, I'm not sure the availability of tickets, so you'll have to call the office and ask if there are any tickets left, but you're more than welcome if there are. And then our weekend services celebrating what great things God has done, or more so the great thing God has done. We have five separate services, Saturday night, 4 o'clock and 6 p.m., and then Sunday morning we'll be gathering for a modified sunrise service indoors with the heater on, 6.45, 8.45, and 10.45. And we'll make room for you. And we're looking forward to coming together. I always love teaching the gospel, uh, teaching the message and sharing the gospel as everyone's mind is on the resurrection. So come on out. Again, it all starts tomorrow on Good Friday. You can also watch our services live online at calvaryaurora.org. Don't miss our next study in the Word next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.